My greatest teachers are ayahuasca and mushrooms. I was so excited and honored to be invited into an ayahuasca circle and really wanted to go to the source of my traumas, go deep into this work. And while I entered those spaces, I had to navigate different kinds of microaggressions. Someone touched my hair, someone asked me if this was my skin tone. And so noticing that my defenses were very present, there was a limitation for me. Do I go into my racial traumas? Do I go into the images that I'm experiencing because I'm just not sure if the space can hold it? I needed to be in a space that could hold racial trauma, but also be in a space that where people looked like me that had similar life histories and, and was able to find it. Welcome to Voices of Esalen, I'm Sam Stern. Today my guest is Mary Sanders, founding board member of the People of Color Psychedelic Collective, an organization that provides psychedelic education to historically marginalized communities in order to foster empowerment and healing. Mary is a psychotherapist who specializes in exploring the depths of transgenerational trauma and in her words, peeling off layers of oppression and cultural conditioning. She's certified in psychedelic assisted therapies and believes that plant medicines can serve as tools to effectively heal trauma. During our discussion, we talked about her experiences as the only black person in psychedelic circles and what constitutes a safe space for her as she attempts to explore her own healing. We also touched upon what kind of barriers have to be dismantled for BIPOC folks to access psychedelic assisted therapy, why there's often an earned skepticism in communities of color around psychedelic studies, how the war on drugs has affected people who might seek psychedelic therapy, what trends in psychedelic research and psychedelic training education she finds especially intriguing, and what she wishes a majority white populace might do to create a more easeful experience around psychedelic healing for folks of color. It was a great conversation, and I am so grateful to Mary Sanders for sharing her honest thoughts and time with me. Back in 2018 into 2019, I was studying psychedelic assisted therapy um, at CIS, so California Institute of Integral Studies. And I was so excited to be part of this uh, pioneering program. And when I was a student there and kind of started to move within the psychedelic community, you know, I noticed that I was one of very few people of color and sometimes, you know, maybe one of two or three other Black people in the space. It became really challenging for myself. You know, I would bring up a lot of questions around the research and the lack of people of color and being a student and, and really excited to bring these practices into communities that I've served, um, typically, you know, um, black and brown spaces and folks with multiple um, marginalized identities and just wasn't feeling like I had any the research to back up like what does this look like for brown folks what does this look like for undocumented folks or the LGBT community and so as I kind of moved in those spaces I felt like often I might have been one or two people that would present these questions they might be dismissed or invalidated and noticing that I'm slowly kind of shrinking in those spaces and still wanting to hold this really important and strong voice and, and also acknowledging my place of privilege to you know be a licensed practitioner, um, a social worker, and be able to access these uh, certificate programs that are 
very expensive. And, you know, in these spaces, I realized that I often felt depleted. And, you know, I had to take these conversations to my therapist and, and really work you know, on supporting my voice and then talking to other people of color. And so being part of the uh, people of color psychedelic collective, I noticed that I felt more energized and nourished and excited and realized that, wow, I'm sure other people might feel the same way Mm. Um, going into a space, seeing other people that look just like you that have similar life experiences shared histories, ongoing challenges, you know, exploring and managing uh, systems of oppression. And so when I participated in a conference, I heard um, Ife Tayo Harvey speak and talk about the POC Psychedelic Collective. And so immediately, you know, wanted to join, wanted to learn about it and became a founding board member. Would it be fair to say that some of the psychedelic circles that you had participated in weren't really a, equipped to deal with racial trauma and systems of oppression? Yeah, you know, I, I was so excited and honored to be invited into a, for example, an ayahuasca circle and really wanted to go to the source of my traumas and really go deep into this work. And there was a limitation for me and also kind of hesitance around, do I go into my racial traumas? Do I go into the images um, that I'm experiencing? Because I'm just not sure if the space can hold it, especially if, you know, I'm kind of navigating these microaggressions, you know, holding these defenses while wanting to go deeper, but also my inner voice saying, you know, just, just hold on there. Really, noticing that I needed to be in a space that could hold racial trauma, but also be in a space that where people looked like me that had similar life histories and, and was able to find it. Um, it took a little, a little bit, but it, it, it's, it's present in, in the Bay Area. Could you talk a little bit about how you first became interested in and acquainted with psychedelics? Yeah, great, great question. As I mentioned, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and really excited about working in trauma and love working with PTSD. Um, While I was living in San Diego, I worked for a community clinic and most of my clients were immigrants and um, refugees from Iraq and Syria. And so while I could hold the space with them and be present and explore the war trauma that was very activated in their body. And especially for Syrian folks, continuing to experience war trauma and losses in their homeland. At that time, I realized the limitations that I had with talk therapy. I knew that I, you know, some folks had left their country many, many years and it felt like they were just there yesterday. And so when I heard about MDMA for PTSD, it really motivated me to think about, wow, here are these folks that have been suffering from this war trauma. What would it be like to be able to share that medicine with folks who suffer from war trauma, but also suffer, you know, folks here that are suffering from community violence or um, transgenerational trauma and how, you know, what an honor and a privilege to be able to create spaces um, for black and brown folks. And what in general made you want to become a therapist? I'm kind of curious, was that 
part and parcel with wanting to become a psychedelic therapist or did that, it, it kind of sounds like that came later. It came later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my undergrad's in sociology and I really love sociology. It just actually felt very natural to study systems. My family are really involved in the community and my aunt was a mayor of the town that I grew up in. And so it was really important to do community work. And so as I studied sociology, it was kind of like, oh, here's the research route. I did do some kind of program evaluation and kind of some little R research. And I realized the most enjoyable part of my work was doing case studies and focus groups and really connecting to people. And so um, that motivated me to go into social work. You've mentioned transgenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring up this, this concept of ancestral healing. Yeah. So uh, these medicines are such gifts, right? Uh, Such beautiful opportunities, right? To connect connect to the earth, connect to the land, and and connect to our ancestors in in ways that can be really difficult in our, in our, um, just our our typical day, right? I know for myself um, and for other community members, it is often an opportunity to have a kind of a direct channel to our ancestors and sometimes to really like amplify what we are experiencing in our bodies. And we know that we're storing not only, you know, difficult events and traumas and all these, you know, life experiences that we have, but also of our ancestors. So I know for myself, I've been able to have these really unique parallel process where I'm experiencing my trauma and also being able to connect with my ancestors' trauma of being kidnapped and forced onto land and a loss of language and culture I notice that myself, I'm, I'm often cold. And so even thinking about that of like, oh, the, you know, feeling this coldness in my body and thinking about what that feels like when you're removed from your land and have to experience even this, this, this change in temperature and this change of what your body even feels like on this foreign land. And then also experiencing this liberation a feeling like I can take these layers of trauma off my body. I can be freed of these chains on my ankles and I can move around in this medicine space and experience, well, what is it like if I actually just walk on the other side of the room? I'm often in direct eye contact with the facilitators so I know it's safe and we're all good. (laughs) And so I thought, hey, you know what? What is it like? It just move, right? And and then noticing like, oh, I can't move too fast. I got to hold on to the wall. I need to get some support and start with these baby steps. And so really experiencing that in my body and then being able to take it out into the world and integrating that with my community and sitting with a Black medicine community being able to name that and it being really supported, acknowledged and celebrated that we can share these experiences and they can be held and honored and we can move together as a community. What plant medicines, psychedelics or entheogens would you say are your healing allies? My, my greatest teachers are ayahuasca and mushrooms. So, so grateful for those teachers and they continue to teach me so much and, and be in this world in a way that I can feel really proud of. 
there's always a curiosity to learn about other medicines and the curiosity, of course, with MDMA and, and seeing how, how that can support our community um, with, with trauma. There's for myself, it's, it is, it's, you know, going back to the earth and the elements, you know, the soil and the air and, and the rain and, and being feeling really connected to all of those pieces. And so those curiosities are there for these other medicines, but th- those are my, my greatest, greatest teachers. I'm excited about this relationship that continues to grow and, and deepen. So you have a private practice empath center, I believe mm-hmm. is, is the name of your, your practice in Oakland. Yeah. Just curious about the way that you function. Do you mostly do psychedelic assisted therapy at this point? Yeah. So at this point, I work with all people of color. I work with folks who have their own practices with different medicines. So they may be working with uh, microdosing mushrooms. They may have their own ayahuasca community. And so we are bringing those experiences into therapy. And we are you know, thinking of ways of how do we continue to in- integrate right those messages, those teachings from um, from those spaces. I'm in training, I'm in my advanced year in somatic experiencing psychotherapy. And so um, being really in the body and really helping my clients connect to their body, connecting, you know, to right, the sensations, to our breath, to our impulses, really empowering those practices so that as they continue to work with medicines, they have right the tools to go deeper into the experience. And then I also am part of supporting integration in our uh, Black medicine community. And so after we meet, we often will come together and potlucks and and sharing circles and play music. And and for myself, really community mental health is, is my background and really thinking about how does the community continue to move the medicine. And so I feel as if my private practice is really supporting folks in their integration work, as well as building the skills so that they can um, deepen their relationship with medicine. There's this existing historical paradigm of Black folks being experimented on. For Mm -hmm. instance, the famous Tuskegee experiment where Black men, some of whom had syphilis, some of whom did not, were studied without informed consent and without being given penicillin. In your opinion, does that kind of thing add to skepticism within communities of color? around medical studies, psychedelic studies, psychedelic spaces? Absolutely. Um, That's one uh, famous experiment that we are all aware of. But if we look at at history, there's a great book called Medical Parthide. We look at, you know, how Black bodies were experimented um, on a lot of different medical uh, procedures and a lot of gynecology practices that we use now were used on, you know, Black bodies without any anesthesia, anything like that. So there is caution when we, when there's a new research, there is caution when, you know, we've only seen like white folks, right. Using uh, psychedelics, like, Oh, that's a white folk thing. And so, you know, and and part of being with uh, people of color, psychedelic is really providing the information in a way that intersects all of these pieces And so thinking about not only the research part, but also if we are uh, working with psychedelics in our communities, we need to be aware of the harm that can be caused as being highly profiled and surveilled um, by police. 
So there's the, the research part. And I think, you know, any type of research we do want to be really informed. We want to know who's the board, if we have any grievances. We want to also just be really thoughtful and ask questions around, are there practitioners that have worked with racial trauma? Are there other other practitioners that are people of color? And really asking these questions so that while we have this access to research, it's also being held in a culturally attuned way. And so these are all really important questions. And as we can see, you know, a lot of cases arising around sexual abuse and the psychedelic community, it's important to have these conversations. It's important to understand consent. It's important to reach out to our friends and our community members and take our time um, as we uh, make these decisions, um, whether it's research or working with a practitioner or guide. Mm. One thing that comes to mind too, as we speak about historical paradigms that might frighten uh, folks of color around psychedelic studies is the, the history of the war on drugs. Do you find that that is something that must be addressed or thought about with regards to uh, engaging in psychedelic healing and psychedelic therapy? Absolutely. We can't talk about psychedelics without talking about the war on drugs, right? There's folks that are imprisoned right now for cannabis. While many of us can move freely with cannabis, while there's a whole industry, cannabis industry, you know, it it is important that we are aware of the barriers to access of psychedelics and how people can be targeted and profiled and arrested. And so I think it's really important for folks to be aware of of their local laws, to be informed and educated around holding spaces, um, ways to de-escalate, and to really avoid, right, engaging and involving any police. And so part of being in the POC Psychedelic Collective is creating spaces to have those conversations so that folks can feel more confident we can all make decisions to keep ourselves safe and and think about as I you know may have access to psychedelics continuing to hold space around the war on drugs and the people that continue to be harmed and arrested and currently are imprisoned part of what you do at the people of color psychedelic collective is is highlight people of color's contribution to the field of psychedelics and I would love for you to if you, if you if you feel open to it, kind of educate me and my audience a little bit, because often when we speak about the history of psychedelics, and I'm guilty of this too, it's kind of the same old story. It's Timothy Leary, Richard Alpert, Ken Kesey, let's go. Mm-hmm. How can we work on crafting a new and more complex narrative that's both inclusive and truthful? Right. And I, you know, so often, right, we talk about these people and, and, and even in the, you know, some of the classroom environments I've been in where it's like psychedelics just happened, (laughs) you know, 50 years ago. And it's like, oh, what about the folks, uh, the wisdom holders that been carrying this medicine thousands of years? And what about the folks who survived through um, colonization and had to hide these medicines in order to keep their traditions alive? And so I would love to hear uh, more about that, right? And and really creating more um, space and conversations, whether it's um, Maria Sabina and folks to all understand what happened um, when her knowledge and skills were stolen without her consent and what harm it caused her and her family. And so in her community as well. And so it, it is really important that we 
invite these conversations. Um, we invite the wisdom holders to be part of these conversations of indigenous communities, um, because so much of our ways of working with these medicines are based right off of the experiences that we've had in our ayahuasca or our mushroom ceremonies. And so really highlighting those pieces um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, you see institutions completely failing at naming, you know, you know naming these, these folks, but also even naming the, the tribe where they learned, right, or the, the, the people that they learned how to work with these medicines. And so, um, so I think that's important. And then we have other folks like Lindsay Lee, who is now um, uh, an ancestor who passed away in early COVID out of Detroit and built this strong Black community and really um, mentored folks in the community and who um, continue to, you know, share their knowledge and skills and sometimes even fly the West Coast and, you know, do presentations. And so there are folks in all these different pockets, you know, one of our, like I said, like you mentioned, our goals is to highlight those folks. And another important person you might have heard is Carl Hart, and he Drugs for Grownups, I think is, is, is the name of the book, but really talking about the war on drugs, really talking about psychedelics as medicine, but also other drugs as medicine as well, and holding uh, that, that more nuanced and complex conversation that you're talking about. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's really helpful to, to speak and name folks and disrupt the iterations of the narrative. It's like George Washington, you know what I mean? The whole, yeah. the whole Leary Albert keys is just, it has become something in a history book that is just iterated and iterated. And when the story is mostly told by white people, you know, it's, yeah, it, it gets pretty complicated. That's why I'm really grateful and interested in the work that you're doing right now. Mary, what is your opinion on the level of diversity and inclusion at this moment within the world of psychedelic therapy? Do you, do you feel like we have a long way to go or what are some of the encouraging signs? Yeah. So um, I'll just speak to kind of my experience in, in the U S because this was where I can, where I operate, but um, yeah, we have a, we have a long way to go. When I, you know, started, when I enrolled in psychedelic assisted therapy, I thought, you know, psychedelics paradigm shift you know, disrupting mental health, challenging systems, you know, really, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail, <laughs> very, very excited. And then what I slowly learned is that these, that these practices are, are, you know, are within these institutions that continue to perpetuate the systems of oppression that are already present. If I enter a classroom and the professors are mostly white and the teacher and the students are mostly white, then that's what we're going to see, you know, it really has to start in leadership. And it really also has to come from an anti-racist model. We can't, you know, just move in the world and talk about trauma without talking about the experiences folks have every day, you know, seeking mental health, seeking medical care you know, walking in their neighborhood, um, just the everyday experiences. And so as excited as I was, I have a different excitement now. And that is really being part of a movement to build people of color spaces, being part of 
seeing a younger generation that's really excited. And, you know, of course, I'm part of that younger generation, but seeing folks who are just getting out of grad school and are really excited and being able to supervise and mentor those folks. And so, you know, I really, I'm, I'm hoping as more people of color are trained and, you know, moving towards being uh, practitioners and in, in particularly the medical model, that then there will be training, tra- you know, trainings that will really reflect the needs of people of color. Mm-hmm. You spoke the word anti-racist, which triggered this thing in, in my head of just looking at the news in the past, probably like six to 12 months. And there's this insane reaction towards critical race theory. The, the whole thing has kind of like filled me with this pessimism around some of the gains that were made. There was a, a moment of reckoning in 2020 mm-hmm. when George Floyd was killed, where it seemed like for a couple of weeks, at least the country was ready to reckon with the racial trauma of this country. And there's, there's been a, a great pushback. I'm just wondering with the work that you do, how are you feeling at this moment with regards to optimism around the the country being willing to grapple with some of this? Yeah, you know, um, it's so interesting. I There's a, uh, a bookstore, Marcus Books here in Oakland. It's a black owned bookstore. And I, I, I went in there um, the summer of 2020 during the uprisings. So I, I talked to uh, one of the owners and I was like, wow, you know, looks like you all are busy. Like, this is so great. You know, all these books. And they said, nah, we've been here for 30, 40 years. We've seen it before. And I just really appreciated that because in that moment it was just these words of wisdom, this acknowledgement that there, you know, we, we feel this surge of urgency. And once, you know, folks get back into their busy lives, things just slowly kind of trickle down, fall down over time. I was also just really curious, is it—is it—is this possible, right? Can we really do the long-term work, right? Do the generational work that needs to happen? I think, you know, when you, when uh, you ask the question, I just, I think of the, the owner there at Marcus Books and this acknowledgement that you know we this is kind of a a trend or a pattern i feel hopeful that there are folks doing the work and are committed to help other white folks doing the work and so you know i've kind of washed my hands of that and just encourage my my white friends that are that are doing the anti-racist work and are really committed to the long-term work that they will continue to build community around that. I think it's so, you know, excited when I do hear white folks talk about psychedelics who are like, I really want to use a medicine to go inward and and work on my own white supremacy and and create space for that. And, you know, I'm like, yes, more, more of that, more of that. One question I always kind of ask the folks who I interview around the question of psychedelics is, are you a psychedelic evangelist? Do you believe in the powers of psychedelics to do large things like change culture, help us interrogate ourselves around issues such as racism? Or are you, Mary, amongst the the camp that's a little bit more, not skeptical, but a little, you want to pull a little bit back and 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 you say like, well, not necessarily just because you take ayahuasca you may not actually 
<laughs> be equipped to build a better society. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely the latter. Because uh, I've seen it. I've experienced it. Yeah, I've had I've had friends that, um, you know, had invited me to the ayahuasca space and and then had to um, kind of end friendships because their own um, white supremacy was alive and well and impacting um, impacting, you know, impacting me and our friendship. Tony Moss is a facilitator that I work with and he says the ceremony begins when the ceremony ends. And so we, you know, going into the circle, working with the medicine, feeling that sense of oneness, which is an amazing experience. You know, it's, it's nothing like anything else, but what do we do with it? You know, how do we move with our family, with our friends, with our community at work? How do we, you know, be aware of our own privileges, you know, what does it look like day to day? How does, how does that integration work look like? If we are just moving with white people and that are not going to challenge us or reflect some of maybe our problematic behaviors or question us, then we're just going to continue to move in the same ways. Uh, We may continue just to help people that are closest to us, right? that we know um, that's already in our, our tight circle. For myself, you know, I, I just find integration work so important. We can have all these downloads and messages and visions and all this beautiful stuff. Um, and this is the same with therapy, right? We can have this exposed, you know, these deep moments in talk therapy, but how do we integrate it? How do we want to move in the world differently now that we've received these messages? What do you wish that a majority white audience mm-hmm. might know or learn about a BIPOC perspective on psychedelic healing? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think of, I think, you know, folks who are moving into this space specifically for healing, you know, there's that shared experience, right? Knowing that there's this pain that we've been experiencing, this suffering that's present for us, and we're moving in a way that doesn't serve us anymore. And so, right, we all have that in common, regardless of our race or gender. And we have these other layers that we have to be aware of. This is a nuanced conversation. Um, Just recently, I was um, studying about autoimmune disorders and, um, how to support that with the somatic practice. And in that conversation, we're just talking about autoimmune disorders and symptoms. And so I raised my hand and I talked about, we can't talk about autoimmune disorders without talking about the history of this country, right? Autoimmune disorders are often related to extensive trauma, often related to, um, you know, go on and on because of poor access to medical care. Um, poor access, the need to manage chronic stress, right? And so I just bring that up as this example that it's all interconnected. You really have to look at the whole picture. And the only way we can do that is by choosing to move forward with our own education, to maybe get out of our comfort zone, um, be part of different organizations, you know, take these risks so that we can learn more about ourselves and see the world, you know, from a more expansive state, which, you know, we often are seeking with psychedelics. If you had an ask for this audience that would 
enable more folks of color access to psychedelic healing spaces or a more easeful experience around psychedelic healing, what would that be? Mm. What can be really helpful is to hold presence and openness. Sometimes listening can be more powerful than talking. It's so often, right, with privilege comes with taking space, you know, um, whether that's our presence, whether that's our voice, whatever that might be. And so I think it's really important to, um, yeah, have some spaciousness, be open, um, and also continue to work really on your your own anti-racist work. I think that is kind of the, the golden ticket, right? Is just continue to do your own inner work so that you can be present for other people. So Mary, what are your favorite resources that you point folks to who are interested in psychedelic education or psychedelic therapy? Yeah, wonderful. So um, as you know, I'm part of the People of Color, uh, uh, People of Color Psychedelic Collective. And so you can check out our website and of course, all the resources there. You know, Dance Safe is a great organization that provides a lot of education around harm reduction Students for Sensible Drug Policy, another great organization. Um, there's also Ancestors Project that often provides um, education and connection um, to community gatherings and opportunities for trainings. One of my dear friends here in Oakland is part of, um, is a founder and owner of uh, Doorway Therapeutics and is creating um, pathways to ketamine-assisted therapy. Uh, so I think that's a really great um, resource to learn to learn more about. And then there's all these other new ones that are popping up. I know, for example, SPOR in, in Colorado, they're doing a lot of great policy and advocacy work. It'll be interesting to see um, as things change over time and, and really exciting to see, right, the, the diversity that can come from that as new orgs um, are developed because of a lack or a gap in, in services. And how might a prospective client of color find an appropriate or like-minded therapist to guide them through a course of psychedelic therapy if they're interested? Like I mentioned, I you know learned about my medicine circle through a conversation actually I overheard. And I was like, hey, I am hearing that you're going to have a Black medicine circle and I need to be part of this. And so, you know, I think what's really exciting about the community gatherings is that people can build community and in that community identify referrals. So if someone, you know, is looking for ketamine-assisted therapy, like that is, that is legal. There are clinics. Um, like I mentioned, um, Doray Therapeutics here in Oakland provides care. And then of course, there's places all over the country. But of course, you know, if you're working with, you know, psilocybin or other medicines, it, often it's word of mouth. You know, it seems like now there are people who uh, might be organizing people of color gatherings that are going to the Amazon and doing that kind of work. So I think those opportunities will slowly become more and more available as people kind of develop their own organization around it. Hmm. But we are really, really close to MDMA-assisted psychotherapy being legal and probably psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy being legal at rather soon. Is that true? Yeah, I think within the next couple of years, 
uh, what year are we? So probably the next year or two, definitely for MDMA. Absolutely. And that's really exciting. And, you know, there are more people of color, there are more opportunities for people of color to be trained in the MDMA model with MAPS. Um, I know that they had a training for people of color about two years ago, and there might be another one. So that's really exciting to get more and more people trained. So as these clinics are open, folks can, you know, have an opportunity to choose if there's someone that looks like them or has their shared history. And that being part of like, your healing work, right? Being empowered to be like, yes, there's other people. And I, you know, I would love to like, you know, consult with these two practitioners compared to being like, oh, I'm stuck with this one MDMA therapist, you know, and that's all who I, you know, that is all who I have available. So I'm really, you know, excited that more practitioners are being trained. Um, of course, not at the rate, right? There's just going to be such a great need. Um, but hopefully there's more and more trainings will become available. And looking maybe like five or 10 years ahead in the future, how do you envision your own healing work and your own healing practice being embodied? Ah, great question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping, I'm really excited to see my own healing work the next five or 10 years. And what that, that really means of how I can be in this world and how I can hold space for others just in the last couple of years, you know, just really going deeper into the medicine and deeper into somatic work. I, I've kind of seen like the lightness kind of come in my body and the openness to take on, yeah, more challenging experiences. And in the work, I, you know, I'm really hoping that I can help support build more and more community work. What I've noticed about myself is that there's right so much movement in psychedelics. It's like flashy and <laughs> sexy and all of that. And I think the medicine keeps keeps me grounded, but also kind of going back to the core of my work is being in community and thinking about what are ways that these medicines can be accessible, but what are ways that we can continue to come together as community. And, and, you know, not only through the challenging and dark times, but also in celebration and enjoy and sharing families and watching families grow older. Um, that's what I'm most excited. Um, I kind of imagine like growing up, going to like your rec center, <laughs> right? Where you just like different families are playing different kinds of activities. And what could that be like as we integrate medicine, right? Through dance, through drumming through talking, through somatics, through all, all these different pathways that really help us kind of move towards that stage of life that, you know, uncovering the next layers. Mary Sanders, thank you so much for joining us today on, on Voices of Esalen. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and learn from you. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate the, the time and space and um, all these wonderful questions. Thank you for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's episode was produced in conjunction with Shira Levine. Our music is by Nico Holliman. If you're enjoying the show, please support us by sharing on social media or by going to your favorite podcast player and leaving a review. It really does help. Until next time, be well. Be well.